Yuri Sapiro is a uh, basically a totalist, a contemporary totalist painter, I guess you'd have to say. And I wanted to at first talk about what is tonalism. So tonalism is the academic name for a period of American landscape painting, painting from about 1880 to 1920, uh, pretty much inspired by the atmospheric twilight paintings of the later George Innes, and uh, powered by also the compositional strategies of the Barbizon School in France. What marks a tonalist approach in my definition is a very limited color range. So basically, it could be almost a monotone and one or two other related colors, nothing too jarring. Um, usually a painting that's in the tonalist mode that's warm will be warm throughout, and cool would be cool throughout. Yeah, it's very, very harmonious. And um, there was a book about tonalism. I think it was mostly about Whistler, who was another proponent uh, called, um, it was called Whisper on Glass or something like that. And that's basically the idea. It's whisper across glass, you know. Um, it's a very liquid and ethereal looking style, most of a gauzy, uh, so lots of blurred lines and interesting color harmonies, as well as, uh, like I said, a limited palette. So Sapiro has been painting for something like 40 years. He was born in 1932, and he began with a much more conventional approach, basically an old master approach in which he'd draw a, under, draw, an, draw a cartoon or an underpainting sketch and block it in and, uh, and, and fill it in that way. So he would take a draftsman-like approach, but what he does now, which seems, uh, what he's evolved to do, which is what I, I, it seems to me, some of his strongest work, uh, at least what attracts me to him, and the reason we're looking at him here as a poetic painter, is that he begins with a general idea of where he's going, and a, perhaps a color idea, perhaps a, uh, a, a certain compositional strategy, and then allows the painting to evolve as it happens under his brush, and which is a very intuitive approach, nice and enjoyable way of painting. Take some of the pressure off if you allow it to. Uh, the painting becomes as an, an evolving partnership, not something that you have to plan out ahead of time and then adhere to, and you sort of hit the target or miss the target. It's more like sculpture, where you're shaping something. If you don't like the way it's looking, you could change something and mold it and shape it, which is much easier when you're dealing with just one or two colors. The, the, the thing about tonalism, though, is also that the value range is usually quite wide. So you'll have some very light areas and some very dark areas. They're usually confined to the maybe 20% of the painting. And 80% of the painting is modulations of light and dark and hue, related hue, into each other. Infinite variations of tonal gradations that's where the real magic of tonalism happens. So how do you how do you create a, 
an atmospheric tonalist painting, uh, there are various strategies. One that's worked very well is a wiping away strategy. We begin with a single tone, and begin wiping away areas. And the, the reason that works so well is that when you're removing paint, you tend to create sort of smudges, which are really gradients uh, from light to dark. And it's different from just putting on a piece of paint, sort of the opposite. It's like you're, you're taking paint that's already put on and s sort of smearing it out into a spectrum of values, lights to darks. And after you realize after a while of pushing this around that it becomes possible to shape it. Do a lot of squinting, but it's possible to shape the lights and darks. And shaping, shape, is itself extremely important here. Because when you look at Sapiro's work in particular, I think it's a very great example of the simple uh, in, in composition. His compositions are usually very simple. They're just a few interlocking shapes. That's part of their strength. Because within that very straightforward compositional approach, there's all kinds of variation, all kinds of uh, smoky, sfumato-like effects, lights bleeding into darks, into many medium tones in between. That's where the word tonalism comes from. Originally, 19th century painters talked about, uh, in particular, Corot used the word tones as opposed to the colors. I'm more interested in the tones. And I think what he meant by that was color values. So you can think of, but I love the analogy with the music, a musical tone. A tone is usually something audible. So these are paintings that are more like musical compositions or poems than straightforward mimicry of nature. Their charm is in their uh, ethereal passages in from light to dark. And the way to, again, the, the, the more you limit your palette, limit your colors, the more you have to rely on the values. That's a key to tonalism. So what I really like about his tonalist works is the light and the drama he gets in the light. A lot of them are clouds obscuring light that's sort of flaring out behind these clouds, or light that's being reflected in an odd way off of water or landscape, or it's cloud shapes that have one piercing ray of light skipping across a whole variety of tones, lights and darks, and shadows and lights playing among each other. And uh, I think that's one of the things that I like about his tonal work is that it does seem to have a particular, usually a particular focal point, as it were. Although mostly things are out of focus in his paintings, and that's what I like as well. Because as they say, you know, tonalism, it's, it, by leaving out the details, you involve viewers more fully who have to fill them in. Um, that's one thing. But I think another, another 
well, you know, another thing you can say about you can say about totalism that brings it to a more poetic kind of painting is that if you think of if you think of an analogy to literature like poetry and prose, a narrative painting or a or a realistic painting is like prose. I'm describing something with paint. With poetry, the object is not to describe something. It's to evoke feelings and ideas and the play of feelings and ideas with the medium. Words with poetry or paint with these atmospheric landscapes, these abstracted landscapes. So the further you get from transcribing nature, the further into suggesting you get, the further you into further into evocation, and you begin to paint not the thing. I'm not painting light over. Uh, I'm not painting backlit trees in front of a lake so, as so much as I am painting the idea of a painting of light. Uh, backlight trees and a lake, if that makes any sense. It's, it's as though the painting becomes poetic because it's an obvious union of artist and subject. The artist is no longer pretending to be an observing, objective transcriber. Uh, it's no longer pretending to be even a, um, you know, the conduit for something visual as so much as a, a stand-in for the act of art. This is difficult, but I think that, that I, see, I see tonal as painting not so much for what it evokes emotionally about the subject, say a twilight or a marsh, but for the way a tonalist painting or an abstract landscape can embody the desire of human beings to interact with the world and understand our place in the world. Because by including the artists in, the artist's editorial, basically, in the approach, in the way the paint is handled, in the shapes, uh, the edges, which are meant to be abstract, they're meant to be as much paint as they are a descriptive medium, you end up creating a kind of monument to humanity's desire to understand our place in nature. At least for me, that's kind of what's poetic about it, as opposed to a painting which professes to be a window into a, a perception. This is more like an object which stands for humanity's questioning interaction with nature. That may be a little abstruse. <laughs> it obviously is. But uh, it may be not wholly inappropriate to think about these things when we're thinking about uh, painting in the context of poetry. What is a poem? A poem is also in a, it's emphatically an amalgam of words and ideas, just the way abstract landscapes are emphatically and primarily, overtly, an amalgam of medium, paint, and image. Rather than having the paint sort of disappear in the description of the image, the paint remains paint, and the image is almost secondary to the paint being the paint. 
so the paint is allowed to be expressive in its own qualities, just the way language and poetry, the sounds of words and, and their associations beyond their meanings, make up the experience of the poem. So the paint and all of its secondary qualities like color and blend and value, light, dark, shadow, and the infinite gradations of tones becomes the expressive medium. If there are some paintings even on this on the on the latest blog of Sapiro that if you didn't look at the title, uh, for instance, Light in the Forest, a 16 by 20, you'd be hard pressed to say what it is. It's really just a beautiful coming together of of tones of warm orange and yellow white light glowing within a dark atmospheric sea of shadows and it's emotive it's evocative it seems to stand for states of mind states of being for which there may not even be words things probably only seen in dreams or analogies to feelings a visual analogy to a feeling which doesn't necessarily refer to any one particular thing in the world as a subject matter or motif perhaps to several fire clouds trees forests but in this case, with light in the forest, it's got this wonderful mystery, uh, nonetheless, even though it has a, uh, it's been tagged with the title. Light in the forest is a bit of a, a poetic, elusive title as it is. To be lost in the forest is to be confused or confounded or frustrated in life, and yet to see light off in the gloom is to have, a, to have those, you know, proverbial ray of hope. So I think it's wonderful to let your mind drift through these very atmospheric paintings, uh, not try to assign any place to them, because the place doesn't matter at all. These aren't about place. These aren't about uh, capturing the spirit of a place, the way some landscape painters say that's what they're all about. Not Zapiro. This is about evocation of states of being, states of feeling, for which language falls short. So this week we'll be working on atmosphere and getting the, uh, a wide range of expression from a very limited color palette and keeping, uh, keeping shapes simple in order to create strong compositions. Uh, which can be uh, adequate armatures for a more atmospheric, ethereal kind of painting um, so that it, the ethereal doesn't become the nebulous. Uh, with these strong compositions, you can strike a balance between those things, um, not have everything just vaguely drifting off into some mush, uh, but using a certain rigor to to keep the colors and the shapes and the values uh, strong so that it's inviting to the viewer instead of being overly enveloping. That's our main aim anyway. So we'll see how it goes.